It's going to be a competition for people to fund these things. It allows us to really give people a very targeted investment in water, which is the emerging asset class. Um, people are starting to realize, wait a minute, government monopoly is falling apart, more and more uh, commercial works being done in water. And, you know, where's the funding? Well, the funding comes from all the different places, but we're providing funding from regular investors coming in, for example, water on demand, et cetera. And people from regular accredited investors all the way up to family offices, ultra high net worth individuals, and eventually funds will be able to have a targeted role in an asset class that hasn't topped out like real estate has or like commodities have. You know, oil and gas is great, but who knows it's going to crash tomorrow. It's terrible. So whereas water is very stable, recession with the beginning of its run. I love these little clips that we're building. It's a great thing because one of the issues with the CEO briefing is it's long. So these clips allow us to get these things out on a digestible basis. Anyway, I would like to welcome you all to the CEO briefing tonight. It's going to be really, really, really interesting. And as people are arriving, I'm just going to cover the basics here. There we go. And water is a new gold. Thursday, September 8th, and it is the 177th briefing. And really, we have an emerging situation of a new beneficial income asset. And Neil Castillo says, hello. Hello, Neil. All right. And of course, that's the usual safe harbor statement. And I'm going to now get us into the amazing Manuel Suarez. So first, I wanted to play a little clip from a while ago kind of give us our history with Manuel, and then we'll have the current interview, which I think you'll find interesting. So here we go. How you been? Man, <laughs> is it nonstop or what? Oh, wow. What a world, man. What a world. But I remember I was in LA during the Christmas holiday, and I went, I've got to get people into the CEO briefing, which is proven to really, you know, galvanize people and get them excited. And I just called you out of the blue. It was like the December 28th or something like that. Yeah. And I said, what can we do? And you said, no problem. We can do this thing. And from that point on, things went completely insanely crazy, nuts. And a huge amount of people came in as a result of, of all the activities you had. It was just the best. We have 65 people in the room and the number is growing. So it's been our biggest yet. And Manuel, I have to thank you because you did it. <laughs> it's, it's you. Thank you, sir. Well, we got an important message. We got an important message to share, share to the world. That's for sure. At the turn of the year, I said, we've got to find a way to, in a sense, enter the world stage. And I called the only person I knew who really was a master at that, Manuel. I called him up and what did we do? We decided to make these briefings the focus of our communication line to the world. And then, of course, the, the virus happened and digital has become the new thing, right? It's, a, it's the other gold, right? We got water and then we got digital marketing and we're uniting these two. And if, if uh, you don't mind me saying, Riggs, I have uh, bought into your business. Wow, what an incredible like ride 2020. Uh, it's been something else because I remember you were about to uh, jump on a plane and come over here. And around that time, things started unfolding aggressively and everything started getting canceled. And well, looking back at it, that's already like eight months ago. Whoa, what happened with those eight months? 
they're gone, right? So it's been it's been crazy, but I I went all in, man. I I really believed in the mission, and I think it's a it's something that is unique. Uh, you found the niche market um, that uh, it's quite massive, but at the same time, nobody's doing a good job on it. So that for me smelled opportunity, uh, and uh, I I really wanted to get your message out there. We have this massive world. Three quarters of it is filled with this thing that we call water. But nobody knows how to protect that water or keep it clean or recycle it or reuse it or make it something that we can continue putting in our bodies. So that that by itself was what was an aha moment once I understood that and looking at the different ideas that Origin Clear has uh, for fixing the problems that are widespread around the world. Um, it became quite real to me. It really did uh, helping you guys out spread that message. So that was the previous report. Uh, let's see where things look now. And uh, let's take a look at the latest podcast. So uh, here's what we recorded on the social marketing hour, which uh, Manuel has. This was recorded Monday before last, and it's now out. Um, you can listen to the whole thing, uh, one hour and eight minutes. We've done a small excerpt. This is an audio podcast. Now we uh, we have the video. It's a rough video. It's really just there for doing clips and stuff like that. Basically, it's just a video grab, but it's better than to listen to audio, in my opinion. But as you can tell, it's a very complimentary positioning. Uh, Manuel and the team are just amazing, and we have really good memories of having worked with them. Currently, our marketing agency is Monarchy, and they are amazing. So really, uh, I've got no complaints, but we had a great time with AGM Marketing and Manuel Suarez. All right. So we're here now in another social marketing hour. And this is a, a, also a very awesome one because I have a good friend of mine, also an AGM uh, former client that I was able to help uh, with his business for quite a while. And it was a lot of fun to work with. And he has a lot of value to share. And um, without further ado, Mr. Rick Eckleberry, he is the CEO and founder of a company called Origin Clear. Origin Clear is a company that I'm a big fan. I'm an investor in myself. Uh, they are creating a revolution in a very important subject, and that is a subject of water. But water is absolutely essential, and they are going through a massive, massive, massive uh, business uh, evolution. So let's get into it. Riggs, it's a pleasure to have you here, man. Well, such a pleasure, likewise. So, so Riggs, going back into the subject of business and how, how did you guys come up with this concept? Like a lot of people, that's a very unique concept and um, it's hard to say that you have a lot of competitors because I don't think you have a lot of competitors, but it's a revolutionary model. How you guys come up with an idea on, this is what we're gonna do. This is how we're gonna change the world. Because you know, you know me enough to know that I'm into changing the world, sure. making the world a better place through our message and our businesses. How did that start, that idea with uh, changing the water in this world or giving people a solution to this enormous problem? You know, it's interesting because for us, COVID was a real game changer for us because many, many businesses during COVID had to assess their business model. I remember you made the, that, that course free mm -hmm. at the time. It was huge. And it, it transformed your model too, right? So um, for us, we were like, we had been building these business units in Dallas, uh, Texas, and also in Virginia, but it wasn't moving fast. It was growing so slowly. It's like, what's going on? And it took us a while to go, wait a minute. 
It's the money, stupid. And we realized, wait a minute, if we can front end all these deals by providing the capital and the full support, so when it, so there's a problem, somebody shows up, fixes it, it's all outsourced, right? Mm-hmm. So that's the vision because everything is going into a service more and more. Look at Microsoft Office. We used to pay $120 for Microsoft Office. Now it's like $10 a month for like right. something like that. But you know what? Even though it's more over time, I get more value. The it's lifetime value dramatically increases, which I love that you're mentioning this, Ricks, because it's, it's, this is the one thing that a lot of businesses fail to understand. Yes. The value on acquisition of a customer. When you have a model like what you have, somebody puts one of those modules in their terrain, they're not taking that thing off, right? You're gonna keep on getting no. them to buy water from you for like who knows how long. You've become the municipality. You've become the actual water provider. It's done. You're right. And that's 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 like wealth long term because you have that that so the value of you guys acquiring one of these guys mm-hmm. or and and putting that that system in place is it's infinite. You know that you're gonna provide enough value to that person that came in or that business that you keep on buying from you over and over again with good products and services. Is that basically what you guys are trying you to know, do? That was the situation we were looking at. In the in the, our industry and, and similar industries is um, initials DBOO, design, build, own, operate, right? Most companies in the water industry just do design and build. They sell the widget, send it out, goodbye, right? And like you say, there's no lifetime value, right? And maybe a few years later, they might get a repeat order or whatever, but it's, um, and meanwhile, those, Deals took forever to do, and probably somebody tries to rip them off, and there's all this competition. It's terrible. There's a, a few companies in the water industry that do the full DBOO, which is what we're talking about with this water on demand. But they've tended to do it for very large installations, like for a desalination for an entire island. Why? Because it's easy. You know, you do one system, and it, it takes care of 50,000 people. Everybody's happy, right? But the real business is in the middle class, right? The number of installations that are a little bit smaller than that is far greater than the number of islands. Absolutely. So we have a million, two million uh, businesses in America that really could do, you know, use their own water treatment. That's a far greater business. So we decided to go after that, that middle ground because we invested in a technology called modular water systems. You've heard about that. Mm-hmm. So we have a tech for these drop in place systems that's doing incredibly well. And so with that tech, we're able to do it without losing money. And now we got that revenue stream. So it's a monthly bill based on their usage. Basically that water is being connected to the modular system. Mm -hmm. The water runs through the system. They drink it inside and it gets measured. Just like you get the water measured at your home and a bill is sent out. Correct. Now there's three phases to water. One is the incoming. The other other one, next one is the treatment to make it clean. And the third one is the reuse, the recycling. You want to do all three. Now, sometimes we get people who want to treat the dirty water, or we right now we have a major hotel that's that was going to do the clean water. Why they want to get rid of the forever chemicals that's starting to become big, big news, and they want to get ahead of the problem. So this whole chain is adopting our technology on the front end. Now eventually they'll do the middle and the back because you want to do it all eventually. But we're happy to start anyway. Somebody just wants to do recycling, maybe. Great, we'll do your irrigation. That's fine. The point is that. Um, we want to be as flexible as possible to deal with this mid-ground half a million to $2 million systems at our cost that then generate that revenue. 
And then we want to, um, it, over time, just grow that business. And we made a strategic decision. And I'm a strong believer in focus, meaning sacrifice. Don't try to do everything. And um, there's a book called, literally called Focus that, that tells that story. And um, you say, okay, we were looking at, we're able to raise money. We're good at that. We can build a fund. Great. Now, building those systems, it take forever. Much, fat, much slower than actually raising the money. So what we decided to do was delegate the building and maintaining of those systems to regional water companies. Now that does a couple things. Number one, it enables us to go massively parallel. Bum, 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 everything in parallel. So you're kind of like the sales engine. We're the finance guys. Mm -hmm. We're capital. And we're the contract managers. We own the customer contract and we own the asset. We give it, let's say Manuel is in Atlanta. He's got a water company. You say, Manuel, I've got a job for you. He goes, okay, thank you. Here's a quote, go ahead and get it done. Right? So now he's super happy. It was a bluebird for him. What that does also is it creates a loyalty network who, after a while, we got 30, 40 of these all over America and everywhere else. It's hard for others to come in. So by actually being willing to give the job to Manuel and not make that money, we've actually built uh, what I call our supercharger network, just like Tesla has the supercharger network, very similar. It's a, a barrier to entry for other people. I think it's super important. I'll, I'll add to that particular thing, which there's another word that describes what you're talking about right now, and it's collaboration. And if you hear a lot of the, the, the things being talked about in entrepreneurship right now is collaboration is the new currency. That's just the way it is. If you really want to scale, stop trying to do everything and delegate those things that are going to free you up so you can actually focus on the thing that you know how to do the best and you have all these other areas being done by other groups internally or externally sure. and you can really focus on expanding. A lot of entrepreneurs historically have focused too much on doing everything themselves because they have pride in their ability to do it themselves and they miss out on the possible collaborations of connecting with these people, organizations that they can do more together. Together is better. Together is not something that shows weakness. It's something that shows that you wanna empower others while they empower you and you guys wanna grow together. So you guys have collaborated with 30 or 40 of these companies around there, giving them a lot of life. Maybe they have weaknesses in the whole area that you guys are really good at finances, sales, talking to people, using social media, engaging, spreading the message. That's not something they know how to do. Maybe they believe in the model. They believe in the importance of water. They, sure. they believe in what you guys are doing. They're passionate about it. They could probably go home every day to talk about their, their, their success of putting a water system in place and they love what they do, but they don't have a clue to do what you do. So you end up collaborating and you can accomplish more together. And I think that's powerful. And that's an obsession that I have. I have over the years been obsessed with collaborating with people, not necessarily being a number two for anybody because I'm the number one. And the only one that bosses me around is my wife. It's a partnership. Yeah, that's the way it is. But I have a partnership with a lot of different people. And yeah. just like I provided value to you, you know, I look for collaborating and providing value to people and try to lift them up and make them do even better, right? So that collaboration is, is amazing. For anybody that's watching this, I, I really, really strongly suggest that you look for other people in your area that can make you stronger. 
not that you will lose power, but simply you make them stronger, they make you stronger, and it's something that is in a great combination of power for sure. There's a saying that I learned at the dot com, which is a very good one, very similar to what you're saying, which is never compete with your natural partners. Right? So if you got a natural partner, don't try and blow them away. Use them. Now, I think a lot of reason why uh, entrepreneurs try to hold on to everything is not just pride, it's also because they want to get every last dollar, right? They don't want to leave money on the table. Wait a minute. Like for us, well, we could we could build that system and make another, you know, an extra hundred, you know, hundred thousand dollars there. Yeah, but then we get buried in the execution, right? Mm-hmm. And so, so it's it's important to that's why you know, focus is a coin, and the backside of the focus coin is sacrifice. You've got to be willing to sacrifice. Now, I like that, right? Now it took us one level up. Now we're doing the finance, the contract management, the enforcement, a whole bunch of stuff. But now we can expand water on demand to other finance centers in the world. That's interesting. So now we, we're already starting to look at, okay, who in Dubai can be our partner for financing water systems in the Middle East region? And we don't have to build a company in over there. No, we simply create this network that is using the same system, and we've empowered these people to, to use our system, and we're very with that. Yeah, go ahead. Use, use our secret sauce. Go for it. Have fun. There was a very good book called Microsoft Secrets written back in the day. And this, this writer was um, allowed to hang around Microsoft for a year. And they said, open door. You can know. You can, everything, there's no secrets. Anything you want to know, you can know. And he goes, how can that be? They said, by the time you've published your book, we'll be four or five years ahead of you. Absolutely. Right? So why do we care? If you're confident about being a leader, you will share your knowledge. 100%. Right? That's what you do. 100%. I tell everybody exactly what I do, what the name of my brands are, what am I doing with my brands, how am I doing it. Good luck trying to repeat what Origin Clear has done, taking that company from where it was to where it is right now, which, by the way, I am, this is not a paid promotion, but I am an investor, and I have been an investor for, I think now, three years or so. Mm-hmm. And you guys have never let me down, not one time. That check keeps on coming every quarter. Every quarter. It's always 60, there. Day 60. Yep. It's <laughs> always, always there. And uh, I don't have to worry about it too much. I don't have to email you guys and ask you where is my check for my investment. It just always is magically there. So I appreciate that because when you're investing on a company that it's, uh, you know, there's a certain level of risk. Uh, but you guys have proven yourself um, over the years. And not only am I a big big fan of what you guys are, are doing. It's an investment opportunity. A lot of successful business owners out there, they don't know what to, to do with their money. Mm-hmm. They really don't know what to do with it. And um, it's, it's, it's something that is very um, comforting to have a company that you can give money to that they're gonna do something good with it and you're gonna get a return on that. So it's something good. So if somebody wanted to invest with Origin Clear, are you guys still taking money? Is that still something that you guys well, are still pushing? Y- people are, being given a chance to get involved with what on demand so they have an asset-based investment which is um, there's a security agreement it's it's great it's, it's a tangible thing and all they do is go to originclear.com there's an invest now button and and you get to um, do one of two things number one uh, join my CEO briefing every Thursday night this this week will be the 176th and number two get to talk to Ken Berenger who is the most amazing businessman the co-creator of Water On Demand. We built it together. 
and um, he's so um, uh, helpful to help people understand what's going on that people go, oh, wow, I get it. And once they get it, he doesn't have to sell them, right? He's enlightening. He's enlightening them like, listen, this is how it works. And before you know it, if they are qualified, they generally invest. So, um, and if they don't, they hang around the CEO briefing. And we like to say we're the most transparent public company in America. The other day, I put on my show a recording of the board meeting with the auditors about the quarterly filing. Literally, no company does that. But I rat say here, this was, and the auditors are saying, yeah, and um, you know, we certified no fraud. This, da, 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 da. Right? What about if they said there had been fraud? There's always that danger, right? Well, we know we're cool, so why wouldn't we tell everything, right? I mean, the best thing to be is highly transparent and to be proud of what you do, right? Be so, open, be open. Exactly. Yeah, like sometimes in the social media world, people can be, and companies can be very fake. Yeah. And they can hide the realities of who they are and what they do. But I like the whole concept of just showing people what you're doing every day and just being very transparent and showing the customer journey. So um, when you look at, and I can tell you something that for me um, is, is great about Origin Clear is when you're looking to invest into a company, you want to look into the jockey that's riding that company, right? I, I liked investing in you guys because your energy is, is pretty much unstoppable, right? You just said right now that you've done 170 what? 176. 176, and these are every week, right? That's right. Every single week, you put a, a, a CEO briefing in which I've actually been on it myself. Yes. I've been a guest on it. And you talk about what's happening in the world of water, and you talk about what's happening in the company. So imagine how cool is it uh, that you get to hear from the CEO of a publicly traded company every single week. Uh, and I want you to talk about that for a second because one of those things that really is a, a major factor to uh, an individual's lack of success in business is their lack of consistency mm. and persistence. They don't repeat the process over and over and over and over again. And repetition is the key to success. Here's an additional part of the numbers game. I hate you know, um, appealing marketing to accredited investors. Why? They're, they're the 1%, they're a minority. Number two, everybody's after them. And number three, it's unfair. And just to clarify, an accredited investor is somebody, this is something that anybody can Google, Somebody that's making a quarter million dollars a year? $200,000 individual, 300,000 with a cohabitant, a wife or significant other, or they have a million dollar net worth excluding their primary home. Correct. Okay. Most people make it on the, on the income side. $200,000 is achievable for a lot of people, but still it's a minority. It's a minority. I mean, I, I know, I think 200 grand a year, it's about 4% of the population, something like that. You're about so right. It's a small minority. And so, it's, it's hard work getting to those people and there's a lot of wastage, right? But it's also, I think, socially unfair. Why should you or I get the opportunity to do these cool investments and everybody else doesn't? And that's why I became a strong believer in what we call these unaccredited, it's called Regulation A investments. And Regulation A was, was invented uh, by, by um, you know, some very smart people to democratize investment. 
So it's not only for the for the high class people. It's it's, it's more like anybody that wants to put some money to work. Exactly. And so it took a while. This was invented in 2013, and it took a while for it to mature. And today, you can capitalize an entire company by appealing to everybody. Our friend Grant Cardone does a wonderful job of that. Um, you know, there's a, a, a place called Start Engine that specializes in doing it. Um, Howard Marks, Start Engine, is brilliant at that. Well, it's inclusiveness, right? You, exactly. you, you take something that is supposed to be very unique for some people only, and you turn it into a broad vehicle for everybody that wants to be a part of it. Yes. So your audience goes from the 2% or the 4% to like everybody. That's the way it is. They can invest up to 10% of their annual income, which is, you know, okay, let's say it's uh, four or $5,000, great. 500, doesn't matter. And what it does, it makes your marketing much, your marketing is much simpler, everybody. And also you're creating a, a, a support, supporters. These people are invested. I put in $500, I'm interested, right? They're brand ambassadors now. They, exactly. they feel like I own a little piece of this. It doesn't matter how small the piece is, they own a little piece of it. They feel like they're a part of it. Yes. It's also turned into, I believe, the best path to taking a company public. We've reorganized Origin Clear to be more of a launch platform because we have so many good things going. We were stuck with, um, the problem when you have a lot of good things going is, it's like the sound of music. There's one kid who's not gonna be taken care of, right? The redheaded stepchild. Well, how about we turn it into a launch platform and shoot these companies out and each one of them eventually becomes public through this highly uh, dem dem democratic process of regulation A. All these companies were gonna spin out as, as these targeted cruise missiles into the water industry doing one or another function. They're all going to be raising money from everybody and they'll go on to the NASDAQ, proper stock exchange through that process. It keeps it simple, it's democratic, it's wide open, it's high speed. And it also, you know, these days it's all about creating um, large online communities. Mm -hmm. If you have a large online community, you're set. And you, in each case, you've gotten people through your marketing process to put some money in, and now they're invested and they, they spread the word. And so you literally are becoming a self-fulfilling prophecy. That's awesome. Awesome. That's the way to do it. Okay, Riggs, we, we're going to be wrapping it up in a second, but I have an important question to ask you. If you were to be able to go back in time, would you still go public on Origin Clear or would you like to stay as a private company? What would you do? I like public and here's why. Um, well, you've got a decision to make. If, if you're private and I've been a private company and before, like in the eighties, and um, you always have a problem with capital. So you have to think about, you can't outstrip your cash situation because you can't go upside down. Last thing you want to do is go in debt. That sucks. And so you're kind of running a machine that is going to organically grow and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with it. But think about if you have the capital to work with to really accomplish your dreams. So is it applicable for everybody? Well, let's take an example that we can look at. Let's take, for example, Airbnb, right? Now, Airbnb uh, was built at you know, a certain level, but it, in order to scale, they needed capital. Uh, why? Because in order to kind of create that network effect and dominate, they needed to move fast. And so there was a, and what they were doing was they were creating a product so that Airbnb became a thing. 
Now there's other players like VRBO that are out there that never got that capital. They're okay, they're bumping along, they're fine. But Airbnb just dominated. Just dominated. Right? So what do they, what do they need to do? They, and they're a profitable company at this point, right? Yeah, but they were unprofitable for a long time. Right. Right. Um, because it's marketing, right? Like they have to put a lot of money into marketing, into strategies, into distribution and- Customer acquisition. Customer acquisition. If they were going to operate virtual hotels, well, how do you acquire all those people and the customer, the, uh, the landlord experience? And there's a, believe me, Airbnb is very smart and they, they got their act together. They're one of the companies I admire a lot, but here's what they grew through the venture capital process. So you have a choice. Let's, you got three ways. One is organic, which was you've done, and there's nothing wrong with it. But you decided you want to go Organic ahead. equals bootstrap. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Totally fine. Nothing wrong with it. Um, the second one is you decide you want to dominate your industry and you need to get some capital. You've got two ways to go. You can go with uh, venture capitalists, right? Or you can go public early on and get out there and not have a boss, right? Just market the company to the world and they invest. Venture capital route is is predictable, but it's very controlling. So the, that's the second one, the right. venture capital way, right? So you're not really public like New York Stock Exchange public. Not yet, but you're on the path. On the path. Because the, the VC wants, is gonna get their payout from them going public. You gotta really um, be willing to be dominated. I, I was not a big lover of venture capital. The third option is this option of, of going public um, early on, and um, it's really done best by doing, as I say, this regulation A process. Get Which is like people that are anybody, anybody that wants to give money. Exactly. Okay, regulation yeah. A. So I, I think it's vital for people to realize that you're gonna have to, uh, in a way, network. And this is where the most important thing of all, in my opinion is, is what's your team? You need to think about, go beyond being an individual. You have built a team, it's clear. My life got a million times better starting basically in 2018, 2015, 2018, when I started bringing in people that were world-class, world-class people. And the, you know people are world-class when you don't have to give them orders. Mm -hmm. That's the number one thing that they get. They call you up like, I just had this bright idea. Like, let's do it, right? As opposed to when are you gonna do it? When are you gonna do it? When are you gonna do it? So it's true about finance, you know, raising capital is true about building a company, is who are you gonna get uh, teamed up with? Who are you gonna get to know? And it's yeah. what creates great companies, I think. Right. Now, does anybody, can anybody go public at, an, at any stage? Is that something that it's, it's a, there's a process for that? If you're using IPOs as a payoff, remember that the early people, they're gonna make, like for example, Airbnb, um, the incubator that started them, put in $20,000, they made 440,000% on their money. <laughs> so somebody's gonna make a lot of money from you from that payoff process. The alternative is to go public early and raise money from everyday people. And these days with regulation A, you can do it democratically and you can take care of people. And if you execute well, they'll do fine. And you'll be, uh, you build a currency, our stock, is a currency, it trades, I don't know, three million shares a day, whatever it is, that, that creates a currency that enables us to make decisions that, you know, over time are right. Are we always right? No, but over time. And it enables us to basically um, uh, fund our activities 
by being responsive to the market. And that's why over time we figured out this whole water on demand thing because, hey, I'm gonna raise money to create assets. Not just to spend money on you know salaries, but to create these assets mm -hmm. that are then productive. That was the breakthrough for us because it was a productive way to raise money, right? It would not have been possible if we hadn't been public, in my opinion. That's amazing. Riggs, thank you for being here. We'll have to do this again. Manuel, it's such a pleasure, and uh, I really appreciated the, uh, the opportunity and the fun. Awesome. Manuel is such a cool dude. He's such a cool dude, and uh, I must say, he has built an amazing operation. I'm going to uh, make a little bit of commentary here. Uh, we have a little bit of time. We're watching things happen in the world, and I'm going to preface this by saying this is not political segment. We're strictly dealing with economics and what an investor should do. Remember last week, I got deeply into that. Well, I'm going to follow up on that right now. Here we go. What the value of the dollar tells us now is it strong or is it weak? It apparently is doing better than every other major currency. But what are these currencies? The Japanese yen, the euro, the UK pound, the Great Britain pound, the Australian dollar, the Canadian dollar. It's doing better. And I think that we're very lucky with that. Um, but it's not doing great compared to the Russian ruble. And look at the bottom here. The euro against the ruble, 30%. Japanese yen, 36% down. The pound, 30% down, et cetera. Now, again, I'm not, I'm not commenting on Russia, this and that. I'm talking about why is there a difference? Because the Russian economy is basically benefiting from commodities. They're a huge commodity, especially energy provider. Now, this really, to my mind, we are moving away from paper money, which can be just printed away, to commodity-based finance. You are wealthy if you have something tangible. Now, I have gold, I have silver. I haven't done much. I have no idea why. And it seems to me that um, better, the best commodities are the commodities that earn money, that don't just sit there. So um, industrial commodity, right? Uh, and water now is becoming one. But here, let me come back to this point here. So while commodities generally are very good to back a, a currency, interest rates uh, in the US are ballooning. We're at 31 trillion. Now, interest rates are rising. Guess what? When the interest rate rises, which is the Fed is doing right now, guess what happens to these interest payments? They'll become a trillion, $2 trillion a year, just in interest. We talk about, you know, we're spending too much money. Our interest payments are, are really the real problem, obviously. And this Inflation Reduction Act actually adds to deficits. So, and $25 billion in deficits through the next four years. So what we're running is a, is a deficit and we're not the only ones. We're doing better than other countries for sure. I personally think the US is gonna weather the storm far better than other economies, far better. You know, you're gonna to have to watch the stock market, you're gonna to have to watch all kinds of things, but I believe that we will work our way through it. We are a functioning economy. We have a lot of good things going on and we're also self-sufficient. We have our own agriculture, our own energy. We have some very productive people. All these things are strengths, but our paper money is a problem. And that is gonna to continue to be an issue because that drives inflation. So with that, I'm gonna go ahead and play a quick clip 
from CNBC, which kind of makes that point a little bit. News on the housing front mortgage uh, applications just sitting in wires. Diana Olick joins us uh, with the data. Hey, Diana. Hey, Joe. Yeah, mortgage rates are shooting higher yet again after a brief reprieve through much of August. And so the bleeding in mortgage demand continues. Last week, the rate on the 30-year fixed for loans with 20% down increased to 5.94% from 5.80% the previous week. That, according to the Mortgage Bankers Association, and that was the weekly average. But there were a few days when the rate rose above 6% on another survey from Mortgage News Daily. And yesterday, that rate hit 6.25%. And it's all because investors now see the Fed as being more aggressive on inflation than initially thought. So big surprise, mortgage applications to refinance a home loan fell another 1% for the week and were 83% lower than the same week one year ago. Mortgage rates were around 3% or even lower for all of last year. So really, there's about nobody who could benefit now from a refi. Mortgage applications to purchase a home fell 1% for the week and were 23% lower than the same week one year ago. Given today's higher rates, a person buying a $400,000 home would pay close to $700 more per month than they did one year ago. Joe? So uh, here we are. We're, we're in an inflationary period. The Fed is raising interest rates. They have to, to control inflation. But this is hurting the real estate market, hurting a number of markets. A number of businesses will suffer um, if you don't have already cheap money. So the investor has really got to think about where is he going to put it, he or she going to put their money. So I'm going to go ahead and this is the last word before Ken comes on. You've been hearing about Jackson, Mississippi. I reported on Jackson, Mississippi last week basically a complete breakdown of the municipal strategy. Uh, I'm going to quote from an email I sent today to a friend, and hopefully we can help. Let's take a look at what we said. So everyone's trying to get the utility, meaning the, the city, the municipality, to do a better job. But let's face it, they're overwhelmed and underfunded, and it takes years to fix. Now, 89% of our water use is by industry and agriculture. Well, wait a minute. What about the people? So why don't we just make industry and agriculture treat their own water and only send treated water to the city? Now, that actually helps industry and agriculture. Why? They get to control their, their costs, which are inflating like crazy. They can recycle. Therefore, they get more water that's free. They didn't have to pay for. Are these modular systems, you know, roll on and plug in. And finally, they don't have to pay up front with the minute it's taken care of it. Now the city can focus on the 11% of our consumers. This, to me is a huge social justice issue, and nobody has figured it out yet. 89% is being handled with industry and agriculture. If, if the cities didn't have to deal with that, then we would have good water for people, and people are suffering right now. And I'm getting pretty heated up about it. So uh, with that, I'm gonna invite Ken, and we have a lot to discuss, and just a few minutes to do it in. So jump on in, my friend. So you pull me on when you're all fired up? <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everybody. What you were getting into earlier, uh, I've been following, uh, per your kind of suggestion, Peter Zahan, and America is going to do fine because we really are. I mean, we could operate relatively fine. Right, right. We could literally run our society by. We have all the resources to run our society. China, as it, as it, as it exists today, won't exist, he says, in, in 25 years. And Europe is going to go through a very tough time. So uh, while things are going to get rough here, we will get through it, thankfully, because we do have productive people and we have great natural resources. The ability to commoditize the resource that we've 
now identified as what's essential for life, I think is, is indispensable. And that's exciting. Well, you know, yes, I was talking earlier about economics and uh, as a lot of my discussion with Manuel was about economics, mm-hmm. he's very, he's very smart that way. He, he's got a number of amazing clients who, you know, his, each of his clients does like a hundred million dollars. These are big, big players. <laughs> it's amazing. We lasted eight months or whatever it was with, oh my God. And it was super high speed. The point is that, that he gets it too. Um, and that, that's just why he invested twice uh, in, in Origin Clear. And he's a super supporter, as you saw. It's because he gets that this is the beginning of this new asset class, water. What I loved about him is this is a guy who's not a water guy. He is an entrepreneur. He's a marketing guy. He put it in terms that someone who has never heard of water as an investment opportunity gets, right? You've got this utility that lasts forever. You've got an income stream that lasts forever. You know, we've said that we use these fancy financial words, right? You know, we, we talk about pay streams and other, but he, he put it in a way it was very colloquial um, and extremely effective, I believe, for talking to the guy who just picked up the picked up the story for the first second. I think I think Manuel is a he's an amazing natural resource. Honestly, I would love to chat with him for a while just to kind of collect his take on what we're doing. Because I think his choice of language is not so financially centered. It's more common sense. And I, and I think that, you know, I think that's great. Yes. And so it's very rare that you have a vendor who then invests. So rare. And Twice. Twice. Yeah. And, you know, he's like, yeah, no, this is great. I, I want to invest. And, and even after we stopped with him, in fact, the investments happened, happened after, I believe, after we stopped, right? No, the, the first one day, while yeah. we were in yeah. contract right. and the second one after. Yeah. So that means a lot. So here's the thing that I wanted to take away from this briefing. Number one is that it's an asset world. Yes. And it's a productive asset world. I'm glad we, I have some gold coins in my safe. What? Yeah. They're not doing much good. They're sitting there. And I don't know if I'm going to buy bread with a, with a Kruger Rand. I don't know how to do that. But whatever. It's, you know, I was told I have to have them. I have them. But that does not make me have an income. I'm not helping right. the world. Yeah, How not, am I helping the world with that? Cool and you're not getting paid to own it, right? You can't. You can't take two thirds of your wealth and say, "I'm sitting on a pile of gold like a dragon." You know, you you just can't do that. And I explain that to a lot of people. I say, "Look, generational wealth and retirees are particularly affected in this environment because their money has to be productive. Their income, whether it's the trust fund kids is part of the the family office wealth, you know, the generational wealth, mm-hmm. or if it's the retirees living off his his income off his assets." That has to be productive year in and year out. Um, the reason Russia is doing so well is Russia owns everything in assets. They own tons of gold. They own tons of rare earth. They own tons of energy. Um, and, and they've been hoarding this stuff. They, look, this thing with Ukraine didn't happen overnight in his mind. He's been planning this thing for years. And you can tell by his stockpiling of, of what he's done that he's been doing it. Um, where we have gone to paper and fiat, where we've gone to printing and, and borrowing, they've gotten very old school. Right. And but I want to make it clear. Russia is not a large economony, right? It's, it's no, small, the size it's of Italy. Very, very small economy, but they're not, they don't have heavy debt and they have those, you know, the energy, the agriculture, the phosphates, all these critical yeah. things. And, you know, as a result, again, I don't want to get into the geopolitics of it because that's a whole other story. Yeah. And we, we, we try to be agnostic around here because there's a lot of heated rhetoric going around. But I'm trying to stay focused on this commodity story 
But the problem with all these assets, gold, I, today I saw gold go down. I'm like, why is gold going down? I, know. I don't that, get it. That makes, it makes no sense. It why? Makes- uh, okay. I have XOP, uh, the uh, oil exploration um, exchange traded fund ETF. It's like, eh, uh, eh, uh, what? I thought that energy was doing great. It's because of the risks and it's because it's already pushed so high. And it's so uncertain, right? So here's the thing. If the war ends tomorrow, oil, oil, you know, so the thing that's the greatest for the world economy crushes your portfolio, right? <laughs> so you have to almost root, you know, you, you don't want to root against the world, but that's what you, that's what you end up, you know, you have to be, I mean, you have to be an agnostic player in that thing. You have to say, look, I'm doing this for the financial benefit, mm-hmm. but playing the oil market, hoping for higher oil prices, knowing at this level, from 40 to 50, it doesn't really impact the world economy. From 150 to 160, it, it certainly does. The other thing I was thinking of while you were speaking is because currencies are really no longer trusted because they're not backed by anything, the entire world is turning to commodities. He who owns commodities, and here's the thing. We, we hear these stories about the wealthiest people on earth buying up all our farmland, China buying up our farmland, uh, and, and wealthy, I mean, uber wealthy people buying up farmland. You know, if you control the food supply, you control the population. But we, also, we want to democratize water. Farmland equals water. Right. Farm, you know, what, Michael Burry, he was going to do water after the big short. Right. He couldn't do it. I mean, couldn't do it in the water industry, but he went into agriculture as a water play. Exactly and right. Bill, Bill Gates and, and uh, Jeff Bezos owning a lot of land. Yes, it's about food, but it's also about water. Mm-hmm. These are huge water. You know, uh, the U.S. uses about 42% of its fresh water is used for agriculture. And another half is industrial. And then the remaining 11%, as I said, is people. And I think that is a scandal. It's a scandal that we're making all the cities do all this work supported by the taxes paid by people to treat the water of these industries that are doing most of the use of the water. And I think it's a scandal. And I'm starting to get heated up, as you can tell. About In a way, it's almost an indirect corporate welfare. Like hundred percent of it. So, so they tax the city, they tax the citizens in the cities to live in the cities. They tax them for this, they tax them. Oh, and by the way, you're footing the bill really for this huge downstream problem, right? So the, the point is we're, we're lifting the burden off of the, consu- of the human consumption of water, placing the appropriate, not burden, uh, placing the responsibility for treatment at the site of discharge where it's being made dirty, but we're providing this tremendous financial benefit because it's still, listen, feel bad for the farmer too. It's super expensive for him to run his farm profitably as well. So the, the, pop, the problem is it, it's, it's still monopolized to a certain right. extent. Right? It's, still water on many- demand, and we're going to wrap up, water on demand yeah. actually is good for these businesses. Yes. We're not going to force them to do it. We're going to say, hey, here's no. a better deal. So it, it, it's right. a win-win. It offloads the burden from the city. <laughs> and oh, and you get to save 50%, by the way. And look, if his, if his only motivation, if he's, got no, if he's got no environmental or humanitarian goal in mind, if his only mind is I, get, I save money, guess what? That's okay too. No, and it, also it, the investment. It won't capital. work without it. We cannot mandate these people to do it. We got to make it attractive. So we've made it attractive. Super now attractive. there's this big pull of businesses being decentralized and doing their own thing. And this will naturally free up the cities to do better by their populations, serve better. The Flint, Michigans, and the Jackson, sure. Mississippi of the world will have better water. Amen. 
With that, I'm going to wrap it up. It's been a, another interesting show. I want to cover our fast-growing pump station business. This is one of the breakout stories of Origin okay. Clear uh, in the in the modular water business, and it has actually some municipal part of partly municipal play. It's a very interesting business. So that'll probably be next week's focus. I'm just going to flash on screen the last uh, disclaimer. Of course, oc.co slash Ken gets you to talking to Ken or email investedoriginclear.com. And here is the disclaimer on the raising of the money. And yes, we are working hard to get that Regulation A unaccredited round going because I love it. We're going to have so much fun helping people become part of the family. I think when our megaphone, when the volume is turned up dramatically in the next week or two with Castle, I think that we've had a relatively small audience to tell this story to. When that audience opens up, I think this is going to be tremendous. I'm very excited about that. Well, I'm actually even more excited about us. Our team is so cool. Our marketing team, Josh Summers, and that whole Monica team are amazing. With that, everyone, I'm going to thank you all. And I'll see you next week. We're going to cover the fascinating growing business of bolting water systems together for fun and profit. So thank you all and uh, have a great weekend. Uh, remember that water is the new gold and we are here to help you prosper with it. Thank you, Ken. Thank you, everyone. Good night, folks.